Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations all across the country to translate your vision into reality. I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the podcast. Just a couple of reminders at the outset of the episode. If you're enjoying the Nonprofit Vision podcast, we're always excited by the growth of our community. So be um, be proactive, subscribe to the podcast so you're the first one to see when new episodes drop. If you're really enjoying the podcast, leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. As we transition to today's episode, today's episode is a is, is a favorite of mine in that we're going to be talking about the role, the value, and the work of small grassroots nonprofits in communities across the country, and particularly today internationally. To join us for this conversation, I'm thrilled to welcome Gayatri Matur. Uh, Gayatri is from the Sundra Foundation, and we also have with us Anjali Mirmira to join us on the podcast today. Gayatri and Anjali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Greg. It's wonderful to be here. Gayatri, I'm going to start with you. Uh, tell us a little, for many of our listeners may not be familiar with the work of the Sundra Foundation. Talk to us a little bit about your background and the mission of the foundation. Yes, thank you so much. And first of all, I'd like to uh, appreciate you and the opportunity to talk to you, you and your listeners about what we do. We are a small nonprofit and uh, we started up in the middle of 2018. Uh, we provide direct healthcare access to India's working poor. Uh, we do this through uh, cash grants that are provided specifically for the purpose of the medical emergency. We believe that everyone has the right to see a doctor. And uh, in India, the system is set up so that there is free healthcare, of course, uh, that's available to you know, the lowest uh, of the population in terms of income uh, on the income ladder. Now, the population that makes the next step up makes between three and five dollars a day. They do have some help, but not as much as the lowest level. And therefore, they make enough to put food on the table, to have some kind of housing, which is usually in a slum. So they have a roof over their heads. They can send their children to school. They can put food on the table, but they have no rainy day savings at all. Now, one quirk of the Indian health system is that you have to pay up first. Now, if you have a credit card, this is not a problem. If a child falls down, has a, sustains a fracture, you know, the mom and dad can simply put down the credit card and the child will get the treatment for the fracture and the fracture is just a bump in the road in the rear view mirror. However, if you do not have any rainy day savings, if you do not have access to banking, formal banking, most of the people we serve are unbanked. Where are they going to raise so much money from? How can they get money that could be up to two times their monthly salary? Now, this is where we step in. We provide a direct cash grant to the provider so that the individual who's seeking medical attention, a child, an adult, for any problem, can go and see the doctor and be treated right away. So that's really our mission. And, uh, and that's how we do it uh, through partners on the ground in India. Gayatri, you mentioned um, 
you know, the, the having started in 2018, right? And one of the things that, and everybody listening to the podcast knows, my, my heart has always been with the small to mid-sized nonprofits. I'm curious, how did you identify the need? You know, there's usually a, a uniquely um, personal pull for small nonprofit founders as they identify the need and they start to craft what solution can I bring to the table that's not currently being provided by anyone else in the landscape. I'm curious, what was your your founding vision or your your reason for starting the foundation? You're absolutely right. It is personal. Uh, I've been a physical therapist for a long time. So I've been in the healthcare field. I've had a wonderful and varied experience. I've been at some of the best institutions in the country like Northwestern University and Shirley Ryan Ability Lab in Chicago. And uh, I was visiting my mother in India when her maid, uh, you know, had who has a child at the time he was a toddler, he fell down and had a skull fracture. <clears throat> now, all of a sudden, she needs an MRI. But as I said, an MRI itself, forget the treatment, the MRI itself is, you know, two times her monthly salary. It's expensive. So she was able to access uh, my mom and other people that she worked for and say, hey, I'm in need of this money. Either you give me an advance. My mom, for example, just gave her some money, but other people gave her an advance for the next month. So she was able to cobble together the money to take her child to the hospital, get an MRI, get the diagnosis, get the treatment for the concussion that had followed and take care of her child. When I was coming back on the plane, actually, when you have a 16-hour flight and nothing else to do, this started cooking in my head. And I said, you know, here is something that really is an unmet need. And there are literally 300 million people that have this unmet need, that live in this income bracket. So I started thinking about what is it that I can do? Now, I'm a, you know, a trained physical therapist. I have no idea about business or running anything, really. So I got incubated. I applied at the University of Chicago's Polsky Exchange, and I got incubated there. And that was a really seminal experience because I was the only nonprofit. There were other startups who were business-minded, and following them, listening to them, interacting with them, helped me to craft a business plan and a business process that actually was uh, viable. And this came to bear during COVID when you know, we had only had one year of operation, 2019, and 2020 COVID hit. And I was really wondering, are we going to survive this? But we had planned out that our partners on the ground would be the people through whom we made the impact. And that was wonderful because we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. And then during COVID, I didn't have to worry about how am I going to get this aid there? There were already boots on the ground. And moreover, philosophically, for a small nonprofit, that is really how you can get your impact. Those folks on the ground are already experts. They live this, breathe this on a daily basis. Living in Chicago, I can't compete with that. And I shouldn't. I should help them and help me at the same time to you know have this process that then we work through them we lift up their mission as well and get our mission served also so covid really showed me that this business process was validated and we were able to get our impact very quickly through our partners on the ground whose 
constituents, the people we serve too, were really having a hard time. But we were able to get money literally in 24 hours on the ground. So that was really a, a small nonprofit, a grassroots nonprofit lesson for me that partnering with somebody is, is where your strength is. Uh, the other thing, number two strength that we realized for small nonprofits is that we are nimble. Our mission was, is, before and after COVID has always been to help people to see a doctor. At that time though, everything was shut down. Now, uh, for example, we were working with a nonprofit that uh, does last mile TB delivery. Uh, so they were working with patients who had TB. Now they needed to get the medication. Somehow he, they worked out a system where they could deliver the medication, but they still needed nutrition. They had no income. So what we stepped in to do is we provided food as medicine during that time. For $4 a packet, literally, we were able to give rice, lentils, flour, sugar, salt. We also threw in soap and sanitary napkins so that they had the essentials to continue their TB medication. So these were the lessons that I picked up as a small nonprofit in the past couple of years since we have you know, been working. I'm gonna, I, I wanna, um probe a little bit further in the local partnerships that you mentioned a few minutes ago. But first, I want to address, um, you, you talked a lot about the value that you bring as a local, as a small grassroots nonprofit. And what I found is that sometimes on the outside, there's a false narrative out there that's about that there's a tension between some of the larger um, more nationally and internationally recognized organizations and like yours, the local grassroots nonprofits, when in reality, my experience tells me that organizations like yours are filling important gaps that otherwise would go unfilled. And there really isn't this tension uh, that others may perceive. I'm, I'm curious your perspective on that, um, how the ecosystem lines up between the local grassroots nonprofits like yourselves and some of the, the larger national and international folks. You're absolutely right. We There really isn't uh, attention, Greg, because each of us have a different role to play. Uh, there is so much need in the in the you know universe that uh, universe of nonprofits that everyone has a, a strength. For example, a small startup nonprofit like Sundra Foundation during COVID, let's take the same example, could never deliver oxygen concentrators. That's not where we can possibly operate, and we shouldn't try to because there are bigger organizations. We know that organizations like uh, the Red Cross or uh, you know, MSF, Doctors Without Borders, they are the organizations can, that can make uh, you know, global differences and um, make it in specific situations, make those differences in those specific situations, which we cannot compete with. Similarly, what we did, as I just mentioned, del delivering that food aid in less than 24 hours this was our strength. We were able to have that impact on this community of 530 families, literally within 24 to 48 hours. Now that is something that is our strength, that we can react quickly. And uh, it doesn't mean that we are in the way of the bigger organizations or that they are in our way. We are doing our own work on separate tracks at different levels and it's all needed. So I'm certainly not here to say, that only small nonprofits 
should be supported. That's not the case at all. All of it is needed from the big, but also the little ones. Anjali, I'm going to bring you into the conversation in, in just a minute here. You're, you're an intern with the Sundra Foundation. Uh, I'm curious your perspective. What have you learned about the role and the value of local grassroots nonprofits and anything that may have surprised you along the way? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, so I don't come from a background where I've really ever worked with nonprofits. Um, so like a lot of things was like were new for me. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting was just how easily we are able to just pivot and change things. So one of the things that I really liked about working with the Sundar Foundation is that, you know, I can meet with like I meet with guy three almost every day and we talk and you know like that's such a like great opportunity to actually be able to sit down and work with the CEO herself and then also you know we come up with ideas together and you know if something doesn't work not a big deal we can just easily pivot we can shift um we can also implement things pretty quickly and you know I think you know that's really a benefit of being in a startup environment. And, you know, we met through the University of Chicago. So um, I, I was actually able to meet Guy through, through my school. And I originally started by working with some of my classmates. So that was a really um, also a nice way to meet Guy through as well. So, and that's another part form of partnership. But uh, Gayatri, you mentioned um, the role of local partners in India in, in supporting your work and really helping your work to be successful. Um, I, I'm curious if you could just reflect on the value of your local partners and how you go about selecting them, vetting them, uh, identifying who aligns with my vision, mission, and values and is likely to be a good partner for us. Yeah, that's really excellent. You know, because for a nonprofit that's our size and uh, the work that we are doing, our on the ground partners are critical for several reasons. Um, let's talk about the really national reasons. There, as you know, we are sending money from the US to India. Money crossing borders has a lot of laws that surround it. Uh, we have to be compliant to anti-terrorism and anti-money laundering laws in the US as well as in India. So it's re really easy for us to vet our partners in India because there is a certain license that our partners need to have to receive funds from India. That works perfectly for me because then I know that an organization that has this license, first of all, can receive our funds, which is you know, the basic uh, requirement of the law. But what that implies is that they have an infrastructure that, that is the legal, the accounting infrastructure, which means that they have uh, you know, uh, um, the whole organization is organized in a way that can operate in a sense that we want to work with an efficient and, you know, impactful organization. So having that one license that the government of India requires checks off many boxes for me. And that is really extremely helpful. Um, so that's the sort of um, basic bar for us. Do you have an FCRA license? Which also means that mom and pop organizations kind of don't receive the money but that's easy for me because or for our organization because then transparency is not an issue we have accountability we have 100 transparency from the time that money leaves us to the time that money is delivered for the help we need we know exactly where it's going 
So those are, like I said, many boxes that get checked off. Now that's the logistics part of it. The other part of it is, you know, the partners in, uh, on the ground are doing so much work. They are pouring their hearts out. These are people who themselves are visionaries, social workers, founders, other staffers who believe in their mission. Um, I have come across the most amazing people and I'm humbled that we can work with them because they're so dedicated and they have been working for you know, years. Uh, we are tapping into that. We are utilizing their experience, their uh, knowledge, their you know, compassion, all the things that they are fabulous at. We have that at our backs. Now, how phenomenal is that? We get to use all their benefits that they have distilled over time and we get to utilize them to make the changes we want to see in the world. So it's really a win-win that I'm not wasting resources as a nonprofit to have administration in place in India because I have partners who are already there. So on many levels, it works on a philosophical level as I well as a fundamental level, as a matter of principle. We want to uplift these folks because they are doing phenomenal work themselves. And besides, we cannot make the changes that we want to see without their help because they are on the ground. They understand the problems. They understand the solutions and they're willing to work through them. So that's really a cornerstone. The partnership model is a cornerstone. And I'm really glad that you talked about you know, bringing in uh, interns as partners as well because I, we also believe that Training the next generation of change makers is really important. And as a small nonprofit, we think of it as very much a part of our mission. These folks, you know, we've had a, some uh, graduate from our uh, um, instit our, our little nonprofit from their big university institution. They are off doing their jobs and living their phenomenal lives. But they had this experience during college. This hopefully does something for them. And it shows them a little bit of the world and how they can you know, make a change because the things that they are doing, they know are impacting people 10,000 miles away very directly. And that's very much a part of our mission too. Anjali, I want to uh, ask you a question here. I remember back to when I was in college, I interned for a summer um, at a at a small nonprofit. So that's where that's where I first had my exposure to smaller nonprofits. I'm curious from your perspective, having interned there, what has been the most rewarding aspect of the internship? Is there a particular story or experience that you've had that has been especially rewarding that you think is going to shape um, your view moving forward as you, as your career unfolds? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, while this hasn't necessarily like directly happened to me, like one thing I just think is like really rewarding experience is like hearing the grantee stories. Um, you can even find those on our website, sundra.org, and we have the grantee stories, some of them on our website, and just the real people that are impacted by the, you know, funds that we're able to give them through our partners. And, you know, my projects this summer involve, you know, media outreach. So um, getting our name out there and just getting our platform and like what we do out there. And so, you know, just any, you know, dollar that's raised because of our outreach, you know, is impacting real people. And that's, you know, something that's really special to me. And I think 
is really impactful. And, you know, um, I think one of the other reasons that I joined the Sundar Foundation too is like, you know, my family's also of Indian descent. So, you know, I have a lot of family members that have lived in, you know, that do live in India, have lived in India before they immigrated to the US. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of very personal family stories about people impacted by healthcare. And so I think that just that kind of personal connection is also what like really drives me uh, in the mission of the Sundar Foundation. Gayatri, you used a, a term earlier that many of our nonprofit listeners may be familiar with, but some might not, and that's last mile delivery of services, last mile benefit. Um, and particularly, I think you were referencing that local or smaller grassroots nonprofits are particularly effective at meeting that last mile need. For those who may not be familiar with that term and, and why you think that, maybe before we wrap up, just share your perspective on that. Yes, certainly. I think, um, you know, the person who gets a grant, uh, for example, in our situation, needs it where they are sick and when they are sick. So we are literally all about last mile delivery. Um, just to put that in context, for example, if a, if a nonprofit is working in, um, you know, improving um, the sanitation of uh, a village. Now, the infrastructure that has to be built up is going to be thinking of engineers who will have to get the pipes and the sanitation system set up and, and all that infrastructure that has to be built. But the last mile delivery is when the folks who live in that village can actually go and use the new bathroom facilities. So that's really how that last mile delivery concept comes into play. For us, that's what we do because uh, we have to get someone to a doctor in an emergency at that time so that they can get care. Now, this last mile delivery is only possible because of our partners. Really, we have to make sure that the child, supposing if a, you know, we have a partner, for example, who uh, works with uh, children uh, in, an, in a school. Now the teacher, for example, when she sees that a child is sick, we had, uh, we've had during a COVID, we've had so many examples. Uh, recently we had somebody who was crossing the street, a child who was crossing the street, a rickshaw ran into them. They were thrown, the boy was thrown across and you know, fell on his face and cracked some parts of his face. Now the teacher knew this right away because the child's mother called the teacher. The teacher then took the child to the hospital, uh, got the x-rays done. She also right away initiated contacting us, making sure that the funds were available for her. And then knowing that was true, was able to say to the parents, don't worry, it will be taken care of because her family was only making $100 a month. And the fractures, the treatment was going to be $100 a day. So there was no way that was going to get taken care of without some kind of additional assistance. So that's the last mile delivery that we are focused on. And the teacher was really the point person on the ground who herself didn't provide the treatment, but she made sure that the child went to the doctor, that the doctor was, you know, doing the right things, was making sure that all the facilities that the child was due was, was you know, delivered to him. And really because of the teacher and that institution, we were able to get that last mile delivery of healthcare to the child at the moment of need and where he needed it in the clinic. 
Gayatri and Anjali, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. For those who may want to learn more about the work of the Sundra Foundation or may want to connect with you uh, directly, what is the best way that listeners can get in touch with you? Well, as Anjali mentioned, uh, sundra.org, S-O-O-N-D-R-A.org, our website is a place that you can uh, read about more stories and also email us through there and follow us on Instagram and, and like us on Instagram at Sundra Cares. So we would love to hear from you if you want to volunteer or if you have any questions about the work that we do, we would love to hear from you. Excellent. I want to thank you both for taking the time to join us. For those who are enjoying the podcast, just a reminder once again, share it with your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers as we continue to build this nonprofit leadership community together. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can always find me on my website at www.nielsenconsults.com or on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I want to encourage everybody, stay safe and stay well, and we'll be back soon with another episode.